Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. It's my privilege to introduce the GRIP team. And the thing is, the truth of the matter is, we're a very small suburban church we have maybe 160, 180 adults. Our children are soon going to outnumber us like locusts. They're just multiplying. And God has entrusted to us a certain finite amount of resources and energy and people, but he's planted us near this world-class city in a generation, in a time in history where there are so many powerful things happening that God cares about. And right now, one of the most important issues in our country is fatherlessness. And what it's like for people to grow up not knowing what it is to have your heart shaped by a father or by an intact family. And we live near a world-class city, but none of us ever feel like driving in except the few who live there. Parking's a hassle. Traffic's a hassle. The city is right there, but it feels sometimes to me like it's five hours away by plane. You know what I'm saying? And so if we want to do something to be faithful to God in this time, in this situation, we've got to find partners who are there on the ground doing what is not really possible for us to do. I'm really excited about the history that we've had with GRIP. I want to share with you that lately my excitement and belief and confidence in what GRIP is doing has really grown. In the last year, God is doing something to stir up a fresh conviction in my heart that it's right for us to partner with GRIP and that it's right for us to stand very strongly and over the long haul with this ministry. And so it's really exciting for me to invite them to come and share with us. I don't want you to be alarmed as you watch this unfolding and it's stretching out. I'm not going to come and preach another 45 minutes after them, okay? They've got the show. The whole rest of the service, they're going to lead us. And so I want you to give them their full attention and open and warm hearts. Let's give a round of applause as we invite Scott to come and introduce his team. Thank you so much. Wow, I am so excited to be here this morning. Um, man, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just good. And uh, you guys don't know what you, you guys have a beautiful church. Um, this has been 10 years of uh, our organization. We've celebrated 10 years of GRIP. I think Harvest has been through almost all of them. Uh, we, I think we met what, eight or nine years ago, maybe nine years ago. And, um, and so what a beautiful thing it's been because um, this church um, literally has sent provision, prayer, money, people. We've had staff uh, come from this church. And uh, we've had um, your you know, teaching and support um, you know, come from this church as your pastor has poured into our, st- our team and uh, into me personally. And so I'm so excited here. Um, to share with you um, what this picture of church and interdependency looks like. And uh, I, Paul, uh, in the scriptures, right, he, he, he had this church over here, this body of believers here, and uh, he wrote to this, this church over here to explain that, man, this church, over, these people need help over here. And so uh, it's, the book of 2 Corinthians is beautiful. I didn't need these glasses when I first came. But here's what he writes. He's right. You will be enriched in every way through all of your generosity through which will produce thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service of provision is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. And so as we were talking, we are like, man, we want to come and share the fruit of our ministry so that we could lift up thanksgiving to God. Because what you have done to invest in GRIP and, and our staff and the churches there, every week our team, we start with prayer. And we start lifting up thanksgiving to God. You can't have worship without thanksgiving. And you can't have thanksgiving without worship. And so, um, so we do that every Monday, and we get to share the fruit. Like, gosh, let's share the fruit. Oh, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? And we get to lift up thanksgiving. And so today we thought we would come and unfold our, our ministry, uh, and we want to share the fruit. Now, we want you to see the fruit. And so this isn't a, hey, Grip is going to come. This is going to be a very unique service. Um, I hope you don't write Pastor James, or Pastor Dave. Oh, I almost said James. Wow. Pastor Dave, um, I hope you don't write him a, a, a letter uh, complaining. Um, but I hope that um, you will press in. Would you do that? Would you press in? As we're unfolding and you're going to meet our staff, you're going to meet, um, you're going to see, and you're going to um, hear video testimony. And then you're going to meet more staff. And then we're going to go and we're going to use multimedia to usher in the fruit of what you have been a part of, what you share in as we are one in the body. Does that make sense? So I, this doesn't want to be like, okay, sit back and just be like, oh, look at these, what these people are doing in the seat. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm asking, what I'm encouraging us to do, would you, would you sit up in your seat and engage this? And would you start to, would you dialogue with God as you're watching and hearing? And would you lift up thanksgiving because you share in this fruit? Would you do that today? Amen? So we're going to start, um, because just as a refresher, uh, with a little bit of why we do what we do. Got to get to the why, and then we're going to move on from there. So thank you so much, and um, God bless you. Chicago has the largest gang population in the country. For the first time in 15 years, teenage pregnancy is on the rise. Each year, 1.3 million high school students drop out of schools in the U.S. Two teenagers have now been charged with murder. Kids killing kids. Mothers burying their kids. I was looking through some old pictures of kids I'd worked with in the early 90s, and um, you know, I was going through name by name as their pictures would pop up. Uh, almost every one of our kids were fatherless. Every story was a story of girls getting pregnant, boys going to prison, uh, boys getting caught up in a gang. Some of them were dead. We were losing every single kid to the streets. You know, I remember back, it was just such a devastating thing to realize that um, these kids had no future.
It's kind of funny, this particular time, I've seen that video uh, a number of times, uh, but this time it, it really, something just hit my heart that uh, Larry Butterfield said at the end. He said it broke his heart that he looked around and he saw that these kids was not having any future. And then it hit me and, he, and the Holy Spirit just was like, this was you. But because I snatched you out of darkness and I brought you into my marvelous light, your life is saved and you have a bright future with me. And it wasn't done simply by uh, <clears throat> on my own, but I had people in my life. I grew up just like these young men and women, fatherless. When I was eight years old, my parents got divorced. And I saw myself in a situation where I was in a hopeless state, needing affirmation, wanting affirmation. I had an older brother, but uh, he wasn't necessarily a father figure. And it wasn't until I met this young man, actually an older man by the name of Dana Thomas, who opened up his home, invited me in, showed me what, to, what, what it meant to be a loving father to his wife, and, I mean, a loving husband to his wife and a loving father to his children. He showed me that. This is the key. He didn't just tell me. He didn't just say, hey, this is how you can be a father. This is how you can be a husband. But he opened up his home and he invited me and I had keys to the house. <laughs> I was able to go in there and I was living with this family and he began to disciple me and teach me and show me the love of Christ. And eventually I was able to give my life to the Lord, led me to Christ. And in that, I knew at the time that this was discipleship. I didn't know what I could call it yet, but I knew this was discipleship. Later on, I found out that this is life on life. And so for me, I said, I want to do this for other people. I want to be able to give hope, to give a future, to give love to other young men and other young women. And that's why I'm very passionate about being the director of SLAM. My name is Keith Woolley. I didn't say that before, but I am the director of SLAM. And so I said, okay, I know that I can kind of walk life with one person, but that's not enough because I can only reach so far. So let me just gather other people, and what we do is we train and we equip others to connect in life on life. Some of you all are very familiar with SLAM. Some of you all may have kind of lost about it. So we're going to show a video of what SLAM is, the, the excitement, the energy with that, but then also give you a little taste of what life on life looks like. Check out this video. Y'all ain't really ready. Go started attending SLAM around 16, uh, I remember it just being it's a fun environment. 
I look forward to coming to Slam every week. It's like the day before Christmas. I, I remember Scott being like the first uh, person I saw. He's standing there, arms all stretched out, like, hey. It's not about the programs, um, although the programs are pretty amazing. Uh, it's really that time you get outside of the programs where you get to define your relationship. Craig has made a significant impact in my life by not just being there, by doing his actions, his prayers, his thoughts, his concerns, his being a father. He is my son. You know, I don't, I don't know any other way to look at it. I hope that Craig one day gets to see me be a father. I hope that Craig gets to see me um, be a husband. I hope that Craig gets to see me graduate from college. That's what I hope for. I've been walking life with Jimmy since September. I look at him like a brother, a big brother to me. As graduation was approaching and I had to make a decision of whether to pursue out-of-state stuff or stay here and mentor, I knew that I had to just say no to those out-of-state things because the mentor relationship was was more important. If JP would have left um, and went back home, I would have felt really lonely. Having Jimmy say to me, I'm glad you're staying, um, it would it would have been tough if you would have left. Like, hearing those words, it's like, wow. Um, I hope he always stay with me throughout my journey. Um, always pushes me and always there for me when I need help with anything. At 17, Scott was the first father I had had. You know, I, my dad passed away when I was eight, and you know when he passed away, I just I didn't really understand all that meant and how that would affect me. They were like the dynamic duo. Um, you know, they were always together, and. Um, I just remember thinking as we started to spend time uh, together outside of SLAM that um, these kids needed so much more uh, than a program. There is not a doubt in my mind that, that Scott loved me with all of his heart. And so that's only the kind of love that you can get from knowing Jesus Christ. Well, I think for uh, a young man like Jamil that has come uh, from such chaos, to the point where when I met him, um, he was considering uh, dropping out of high school. And then to watch him um, work hard and then uh, eventually become the first person ever, uh, male or female in his family, to have graduated high school. And then to go on to make a decision for Christ has been, um, uh, it's been a joy. And uh, it's, it's been um, a testimony to God's grace. Uh, there was a time when Financially, my family was struggling, and I was I was a teenager. At his wedding, I remember we're all there at the reception, and he pulls out this email that I sent. He doesn't say who it was, but he, in front of the, all of his guests, he reads this letter out, and he tells everybody, like, man, for the the dollar dance, I think it was. He's like, you know, whatever we 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 get in this, we're gonna give to this family. It was those moments that made a difference because. Not because of the act itself, but because what it communicated about his heart. I'm really proud of Frankie. 
um, to see him uh, dropping out of high school uh, and then going back and working hard to get his GED and then to move on to Bible uh, college and become a pastor. Uh, and now he's getting his family ready uh, to go to Iraq as missionaries. Uh, it's just been really awesome uh, to see God uh, working in and through his life. And so I, I would just say that I'm just really proud of Frankie and Jamil uh, and the men that they've become. It's, all, it's just all about love. Scott loved me. He loves his kids. And so I just want to model that in my home. A lot of the things that I'm doing that I do now as a husband and father I do because I saw Scott doing currently Scott is he's still my dad you know if I introduce him to people it's my dad if I tell stories about him it's my dad uh, and so to my kids he's he's Papa G grip is working you know it's 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 it started from a 30 year old new Christian man um, taking in couple teenage boys and just pouring love on them. God's doing the things he's doing in my life and through my life because somebody decided to give up a couple nights a week 15 years ago. Not just, you know, take me out for tacos, man, but he's like, I'm going to be here for you, you know. Amen. And Frankie is here with us today, nine weeks out from going to Iraq with his family. So give it up for what God can do in the life of a, anybody. <clears throat> if, if you haven't quite caught it yet, the center of life on life ministry is Jesus. He modeled it perfectly. He is the precedent setter. He is the one that we are following and that we're able to do this work. My name is Sean, um, Sean Proctor. I'm the Grip the School Program Director. And a question I have for you is, where can the local church go to connect with at-risk youth where youth spend nine hours a day, <laughs> eight to nine hours a day, five days a week, almost nine months out of the year? Where do you think that is? Here we are, right? Like there are hundreds of kids in this room on a weekly basis and a daily basis. And we're in here worshiping and praying. There's thousands of kids potentially that sit right in this room. Well, over the, I, I wrote some notes because I have a way of talking too much. So excuse me as I browse my notes. But over the last couple of years, we've been directly serving two inner city schools, uh, both of which have experienced extreme violence in the halls and outside of the halls, as well as millions of dollars of budget cuts just in a couple schools. So they are schools that are very much in need of resources, but the resources of people. Um, we have mobilized over 40 volunteers to serve in those two schools, uh, to serve the schools on a very practical level, and to walk life on life with the youth there on their turf. Uh, we start with the foundation of prayer, knowing that when man prays, or, or when, when man works, man works. <laughs> but when man prays, God works. And it's a principle that we have seen God absolutely use because as we start with birthing a prayer meeting in a school with local churches, we then have the opportunity to approach administrators and faculty members and identify the areas of need in their school where the resources of people can just step in and serve. And while they're serving, the cool thing that God is doing while prayer and service is happening, God opens the door to young people's hearts. And as we step into the lives of those young people on their school campus, God ends up connecting us with some of their families. And then we're able to go deep and see a community impacted based upon the church stepping into the school to serve the school. 
Since the fall, we've trained 60 individuals from 29 different local churches and youth organizations with the same concept of looking at how can you identify needs within a school and send the church into the school to serve. Currently, we're partnering with five churches to prepare them to invest in an additional three schools. So it's, it's pretty awesome to see what God's doing in the public schools. The separation of church and state is kind of like one of those faux smokescreen fears that keep the church from doing anything. And I don't see anywhere in the scripture where the church was ever supposed to live in fear to anything. So what, what keeps us going really is watching God birth relationships with adults from local churches in public schools. And then from there, drawing students to himself, like Robbie, who just prayed to receive Christ in my car two weeks ago. And, and these types of things are happening because the local church steps in with the model of Jesus to come not to be served, but to serve and to give their life up a ransom for many. Check out this for a little more details. The mission of Grip the School is to recruit volunteers from local churches and equip them in order to serve under-resourced Chicago public schools on a practical level in order to walk life on life with students. We do this through connecting volunteers as teacher aides and admin support, assisting in after-school programs, and even running school-wide assemblies. Um, they, they provide a service that CPS cannot provide. Um, with limited funds, um, they provide volunteers who give lots of hours. And it's kind of like, if you have a need, then GRIP finds people in the body of Christ who can do that. The impact that Sean and GRIP has had on this school has been magnificent. Many of our students that were failing miserably, once they get assigned to a one-on-one -on -one mentor, they're passing the class and they're doing much better. GRIP has looked at this school as an opportunity to help. They come in open-hearted and willing to work with our kids and help our students uh, and expect nothing in return, um, except for maybe occasionally a hard time from a kid. GRIP provides a very valuable service um, and is a great resource, a great partner to Wells in working with these students one-on-one -on -one so they are successful. In addition to working with students during class hours, GRIP also walks life with students in after-school programs that utilize the arts. Without GRIP, I would have never been able to meet Angie and just build a relationship with her and walk life with her and kind of just be a sister to her. I can text her and I can call her whenever I feel like it and ask her for help when I need it. Liz helped me become the person I am today by helping me build more self-confidence in myself and not just being by myself all the time, knowing I have someone that's there. Grip the School also assists with a student-led Bible study called The Refuge, which is a safe place for students to gather after school to interact with God's Word and get connected to life-on-life -life mentors. The Refuge helped me uh, open up more and they helped me learn more about God. Griff had put me through a process so I can become a leader of the refuge. Griff had been helping me spiritually and also I would say not just spiritually but also trying to be a man in, in life. They would send a lot of godly mentors into the school to pour into the youth and get them connected. I think it's a wonderful thing because if you look at me in Israel, I mean, look at all the mentors in our lives, Eugene, Sean, Preston, Angel, Marcos, I mean, Rip is amazing. 
What's incredible is that now God is opening multiple doors throughout the city's schools for GRIP to impact even more youth through life-on-life relationships. From the moment that I met Sean and his whole team, um, I just felt like that they were a group of people who were really just committed to students, committed to developing children, uh, committed to students being successful. I would love to have GRIP and what they have to uh, offer in all of my 37 schools, absolutely. Life on Life is more than a mentoring program. It's going above and beyond in order to build an authentic relationship with an at-risk student. So Monica has had a very dark past. Um, She's struggled with a lot of things that um, people should not deal with ever in their lives. My depression has started when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Everything was bottled up and I didn't express or show my feelings. I just would hold it inside me until it exploded. So one solution that I I would always think about is suicide, which I attempted. Earlier this year, she had uh, taken 20 plus pills. Um, and she had overdosed, and she was rushed to the, to the hospital, and she had almost died. And when she had woken up in the hospital bed with a bunch of tubes, she thought to herself, there must be a God. N- knowing that there is a God, it has helped me a lot, because now I have hope. He gave me a second chance in life. Within one year, she was hospitalized like eight or nine times, and it it was possible that she wouldn't be able to graduate. I was able to talk to each of her teachers, and and they were able to give me some work that they wanted her to do while she was um, at the hospital. She was able to get all of my work, and I was on track to graduate. She was able to successfully complete all her coursework, and she's the first one in her family to graduate, so it was fantastic. The difference that Mary Lee made in my life is having hope and try to talk to God. If she wasn't part of my life, I wouldn't be here right now. Morning Harvest. I was uh, able to be here about a year and a half ago and uh, share, and uh, this will not be a full message. So, uh, but obviously, you've seen the heart of GRIP is reaching the fatherless through life and life ministry. The reason why we think that's important is not something that we came up with, but it's as what Sean said, it's what Jesus modeled. Uh, Last time I was here, I was able to share from Luke chapter 1, and and we saw that it was Luke's heart as well with Theophilus. And today I want to look at two quick verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. 
This is Paul speaking to his child in the faith. And he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Two quick points that I want to pull out in just a few minutes I have. One is that Paul calls Timothy to be strengthened by grace, right? Grace is an undeserved gift that we have received and that we're called to pass on to others. So how does Paul connect with Timothy? Well, in Acts 14, Paul visits a town called Lystra. He visits this town on his first missionary journey. And and if you remember the story, it's here where he gets stoned and dragged out of the city. And they thought he was dead. They left him on, on the outside of the gates of the city. But this never stopped Paul. In this city, we would we would call Paul a G. We would call him a gangster. He just got back up, dusted off his shoulders, walked right back into that city, continued to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter the cost to his own life. Why? Because there were people in Lystra who had to hear the message that a Savior had come into the world. The Savior who had saved Paul from a life of self-righteousness had come to save them as well. In this town was a Jewish grandmother named Lois and a Jewish mother named Eunice who raised young Timothy in the scriptures. They would have told him the stories of this coming Messiah that had come, that would come to save the world. So when Paul preaches that this Messiah had already come and they saw that Paul believed it even to the point of death, they received it with great joy. What we don't see in the scriptures is anything about Timothy's father. Timothy's father was absent from his life, and we're not necessarily sure what reason. He might have died when Timothy was young, or he might have walked out on his family for another family. The reason is unknown, but what I I am sure of, of is the impact that fatherlessness has on a child, no matter the reason. The fatherless lack guidance. The fatherless lack encouragement. The fatherless lack affirmation. The fatherless lack direction. And this is where Paul steps in. He comes in to strengthen Timothy in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So years later, when Paul returns to Lystra in his second missionary journey, we read in Acts 16 that Timothy is now a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Paul invites Timothy to come with him as he continues on these missionary journeys. And as you read many of Paul's letters, you see that Paul always introduces Timothy as alongside of him. He was with Paul as he penned 2 Corinthians. He was with Paul as he penned Philippians. He was with Paul as he penned Colossians. He was with Paul as he penned Philemon. He was with Paul as he penned 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. You get the idea that, that everywhere Paul was, Timothy was right there with him. 
This is why in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he, he calls him my child. Paul ministered to countless people. He led many people to the Lord. He planted dozens of churches. But it's only Timothy and Titus that we see him with his dear relationship of my child or my son. That in the absence of Timothy's biological father, Timothy had a spiritual father. And the greatest gift a father can give his son or daughter is time, it's presence. God doesn't primarily call us into a program like SLAM or Grip to School. While we do these programs, these programs are meant to foster life-on-life relationships. In the same way that God doesn't primarily call us to a Sunday gathering, he calls us into relationship with one another and relationship with himself. This is why the ministry of SLAM and GRIP the School are the beginning points of relationships. Life-on-life relationships that point fatherless youth to Christ is the end goal. My second point from verse 2 is that Paul calls Timothy to entrust others with his ministry. The same ministry that had been given to him, Paul is now calling him to go forth in. Paul ordained Timothy for the ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He considered him a co-worker in the ministry in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He eventually leaves him as an elder of the church of Ephesus in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul understood that the world could not be reached by him alone and the other apostles, right? Others had to be equipped to reach more cities, to reach more people with the grace that is in Christ Jesus. While Paul could go from city to city, he could travel and and, and, and accomplish much, there's no way that the world would be reached by himself. Imagine now how empowered Timothy would be, a fatherless child, who was not only given a father figure in his life to meet his void, now he was given the privilege of doing the same for others. Not only was Paul called to this ministry, but now his impact was multiplied through his child in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy was called to trust other faithful men, right? Trust a faithful men who be called to teach others also. The impact continues to grow from one man, Paul, to countless generations. There's a, a youth who was a teenager by the name of Jarvis. Jarvis had his father in and out of his life. His father would be in jail and out of jail and in jail and out of jail. So Jarvis would see him kind of in between. Well, one of these times when Jarvis was about 10 years old, his father was out. And his father and his mother went to a party. And because of what his father was involved in, the people after him. And so someone came with a gun and saw Jarvis's father and opened up on him shooting after him. Well, Jarvis's father walked out of that party alive, but his mother didn't. His mother was an innocent bystander who, because of her, her boyfriend's life, ended up losing hers. Now, Jarvis didn't just have his father in and out of his life. He no longer had his mother. 
Jarvis was a fresh, a sophomore in high school at Orr High School on the west side of Chicago. And a slam mentor, Mitch Thompson, started volunteering there at the school just as a coach. He knew basketball and he knew track, and so he volunteered his time because the, because the school couldn't pay coaches. And he began a relationship with Jarvis and started to step in as, as a bigger brother, as a mentor into his life. And he, he started sharing the gospel with him, and he started walking life with him, and he, he started encouraging him. He started giving him hope for a future. Well, Mitch would bring him over to the house, and he had a roommate named Manny, and Manny would also share the gospel and love on Jarvis. And, and other believers got around Jarvis as well. Junior year of high school, two about a year later or so, as, as Manny and Mitch were sharing the gospel with him one more time, Jarvis trusted in that grace. He trusted in that gospel message. And now he knows that he has a heavenly father who will never abandon him, who will never leave him nor forsake him, who cares for him, who, who loves him, who nurtures him, who provides for him. Jarvis is now a sophomore in college, studying to become a teacher so that he can return back to the city and, and pour into other students in the same way that he was poured into. That he could love on students and share the gospel with them. This is the heart of grip. Is how can we call the church to walk life with a fatherless generation, to proclaim the marvelous truth of the gospel? At this moment, we praise God that we have 120 high-impact, life-on-life relationships going on right now. Adults around Chicago who love Jesus Christ, who've been impacted by the grace that was given to them, who, who are now being faithful and walking life with others. Please watch this video to see the continued multiplication effect of Grip Outreach for Youth. Ten years ago, Grip Outreach for Youth was a local ministry reaching fatherless teens in Chicago's notorious Cabrini Green housing projects. Since then, Grip has partnered with 100 local churches and organizations, trained 800 life-on-life mentors, and reached over 5,000 at-risk youth. Grip has sent out its team to train and equip local churches and organizations across the country to execute their own versions of SLAM and Grip to School initiatives. Grip to School. Not only does GRIP have a presence in two of Chicago's under-resourced high schools, but they've also trained dozens of churches and youth organizations throughout the city to engage public schools in their neighborhoods, which means that Life on Life is growing exponentially throughout Chicago. SLAM. GRIP came alongside a 9,000-member church on Chicago's south side that had only 50 teens attending their youth program. We've seen 250 students come through our doors for SLAM in the first six months of this year, and we started from somewhere between 50 and 60. The impact has been amazing, just being able to not have to reinvent the wheel and to utilize the resources that SLAM and GRIP have already 
had in place that they've seen work for years. Thank you, GRIP, for allowing us to be a part of your organization and to implement your model on the South Side. Expanding beyond the borders of Chicago, GRIP has sent out a team to train churches and organizations on life-on-life -life discipleship and train others on how to launch an effective SLAM outreach program, multiplying life-on-life -life relationships with this fatherless generation. Legacy. GRIP's three-day Legacy Conference has grown from 200 local attendees to nearly 1,900 current and future urban leaders from 40 states, representing 300 cities, all who converge on Moody Bible Institute's campus in Chicago. Additionally, through online streaming, over 1,300 participants join in the conference nationwide and from over 32 countries worldwide. Participants hear from national speakers such as Francis Chan and John Piper, along with urban leaders from across the country, all with a focus on raising up leaders for life-on-life -life discipleship. The Legacy Conference is a place where the influencers are being influenced and then return to impact their own communities. We've got 150 or so folks ministering in seminars about an amazing array of topics relating to discipleship and urban ministry and church life. It's, it's, a, it's an, got an urban flavor to it. It's got an artistic, musical, hip-hop dimension to it. It's got a rich discipleship dimension to it. It's got a theological dimension to it that's just unprecedented. I, I've never been to a group uh, like this. Streetlights. Streetlights makes the Word of God accessible to urban, under-resourced communities by encouraging churches and youth organizations to share the contents of their Streetlights purchase with all of their leaders and youth. As a result, the extensive reach of a single Streetlights volume breaks both illiteracy and economic barriers. For example, Edgewater Baptist, a local church in Chicago, purchased one Streetlights volume and with it resourced each of its 15 youth leaders with all of the downloadable audio, video, and curriculum files. Equipped with these materials, each leader not only led their small group of teens through the Streetlights Bible study, but also provided each youth with the entire Streetlights volume for their phones and MP3 players making the scriptures accessible to these youth anytime, anywhere. As a result, that one volume purchased reached and equipped nearly 100 young people with the Word of God. What I was able to do was I was able to actually give the curriculum to all of our leaders, and all of a sudden those leaders started leading small groups. The impact was dynamic. Kids were interacting with the Word. They were hearing it. They were seeing it through videos. They were asking questions as they went through the curriculum. As those kids felt loved and cared for, had their questions answered in that small group format, they started to invite more kids. And so just in the last year and a half, we've probably more than doubled the number of kids that were here on Fridays prior to when we started using streetlights to where we are now. This type of multiplying effect has not only been experienced within this one local church, but Streetlights is exponentially growing through local churches across the country and through partnerships with national organizations such as Young Life and Youth for Christ. In fact, Youth for Christ has implemented Streetlights within 50 of their juvenile detention centers, impacting the lives of thousands of at-risk youth they serve. To date, 
The two streetlights volumes produced have not only reached across the country, but into 64 countries worldwide. By God's grace, GRIP's first 10 years have been defined by growth. Enter the next 10 years with GRIP and help continue to break the fatherless cycle through Christ-centered, life-on-life relationships. So um, I just want to make one thing very clear. Uh, We created that video not to say that GRIP is great. Uh, We created that video um, to share the fruit of and say God is great and look what he's done and what he's doing. Uh, GRIP exists. The three men that you've seen up here today are pastors and elders. They're they're of, of local churches in the city, three different ones. And uh, our, our whole organization is comprised of the church. And so God has just uh, allowed us a platform now to stir the church, to train up the church to do life on life. Because if we don't invest in this generation, in our urban centers and in our suburbs, because there's the urbanization of the suburbs now, if we don't pour into this generation, we won't have future elders and pastors. And so uh, we're just excited because you've been a part of helping us stir the church. What is life on life discipleship? Are we counting the cost, church? Let's go. Let's, let's get equipped. Let's train. Let's pour out. And uh, God be the glory um, of all of this. And so I just want to make that very clear. Um, this is your ministry. And uh, I bet you all didn't know that. True? Um, the Streetlights team, this, the, just this past weekend, was in San Diego. Uh, Esteban Shad, who started Streetlights because we couldn't have kids read the Bible. The average high school grad is reading at the fifth grade level. He can't read the Bible or she can't read the Bible. And so God laid us this on our heart. We tried to pass it off to people that know how to do this. You know how to produce. You know how to, you know, you're a publishing house. Could you do this? Everyone said no. So we said, wow, okay, I guess we're going to do it. So the Streetlights team is in San Diego. We just released Ephesians, which you just saw the video of, new website. All the music's free. Download it. Get it into your kids' hands so they can get in the kit. The music's exceptional, and the production is exceptional because you guys have allowed us to do that. And uh, they they just preached in front of 4,000 students. And uh, they just came back the week before last, another 3,000 students. They let us know that... Young people are coming up to them. A young lady by the name of Angie came up and was going to commit suicide that night, and her friend brought her to listen to Esteban and the Streetlights team share through a Dare to Share. And she gave her life to the Lord. And now she's got the Word of God that we've been able to hand her. Say, put this in your phone. Let's do it now. And we did it. And so she's got Streetlights now access, uh, or the Bible, right? Because that's all it is. It's the Word of God. Um, this is your ministry. So here we are. Uh, we've gone way over time, and Pastor Dave is not going to let us come back. <laughs> so church, harvest our family here. You will be enriched in every way for all of your generosity. God is good. which will produce thanksgiving to God. What you have done is produced overflowing thanksgiving to God. After this service, I pray uh, that you will come and talk to us. Frankie's here. 
Keith's here, Sean's here, Brian's here. Uh, we got a couple of Thaddeus is here, eight years here. We got Mike and we got, uh, where's Donnie? Donnie's here somewhere. Donnie's here. Would you please come and talk to us because we just want to get to know you and share more fruit with you. And um, let me pray. Can I do that, Pastor? All right. Um, Abba Father, Lord, um, uh, Lord, I pray that this time uh, before you, Lord, has not been, uh, Father God, uh, something where we would point to man and say, look what we've done. Uh, For you ask us, Lord, and you've knit us together, Father God, in your body for the praise of your glorious grace. We learned that in Ephesians just at the beginning of this service, Lord. All of this to the praise of your glorious grace. And I pray that each person here, Lord, has been able to reflect on your grace in our lives and your goodness and what you've done to change us, to forgive us, to redeem us. Father God, to to give us new life, new creation as ambassadors, Father God, now. You've given us the ministry now of reconciliation. You tell us that you partner with us to appeal to those that don't know you. And Father God, we we can't do this in our own strength. We need your grace. We need you to knit us together, to spur each other on, Father God. We need you to work, uh, Father God, on our behalf. So Lord, we ask that you would rain your grace down in our lives, in the city, Lord, and here in the suburbs. There's a great ministry here, Father God. Life on life needs to happen at Woodfield Shopping Mall, Father God. And in this school... And in our neighborhoods, Father God, give us this burden because you've given us freedom. You've given us sonship that we would carry it on and pass that to somebody else, Lord. Your grace in us given away. Father God, do this work in and through this church and this body. Continue to bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.